Little red lights on? Yes. Mac Power Users, episode 92. $5 or less. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie. So we've we've already got the grammar police on us. Five dollars or fewer? I don't know. Five dollars or less sounds right to me, but I didn't spend any time looking into it. So I'm just going to go with my gut. Sounds just like bring a, it. a job know. for Grammar Girl. You can you can put it on my back. Yeah, I, Mignon Fogarty, Grammar Girl podcast. By the way, if you want to work on your grammar skills, excellent. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're going to leave that question to another day. Please don't email us. I'm, I'm sure we'll get a gazillion emails about it. Uh, but the purpose of this podcast is we're going to do something a little bit different. And instead of, you know, there are a lot of great apps out there for the Mac. And people have maybe said, yeah, you're focusing a little too much on iOS or whatever. So this show is going to be completely dedicated to the Mac. And we are going to focus on some of the great apps that are out there and available for the Mac that cost less than $5. How's that? Perfect. There you go. Um, now we changed the rules a little bit because originally you had put the restriction of Mac app store only, but, but you're, you're going to lighten up on that a bit, right? Yeah. Because some great apps are leaving the app store with sandboxing stuff. Yeah. So, so we're going to tell some of our favorites. We're going to fire back and forth. And if you're listening to the show and you have something you think needs to be there, go put it in the comments. Yeah. Comments is a great place to, for this feel. I mean, you can feel free to email us, but when you, when you put something in the comments, we'll get an email too, by the way. Um, but comments is a great place for this because that way the, the community at large will, will be able to benefit for this. So check the show notes for this, and you'll find links to everything that we've talked about. So All right, Katie, you get to go first. All right, I, I will kick it off here. Um, I'm bending the rules a little bit, but the first one is SCO Tutor. It's, it's really not one app. It's a bunch of different apps. And these are done by our good friend Don McAllister of Screencast Online. Uh, now, Don publishes these excellent screencasts once a week. He gives one away a month for free. Three are available if you're a Screencast Online member, and he does them for Mac, he does them for iOS. But what he's done is he's taken the best of the best, and he's put them together into this app package that are available for the Mac, and he also has iOS versions. And he's got these these video tutorials are, are anywhere between like an hour and a half and two hours long, and he covers in depth from start to finish a particular software package or a particular series. So, for example, he's got a couple of free ones that he offers. He's got SEO Tutor for Mac and SEO Tutor for iPad, which he has offered for free. So this is like Mac 101 and iPad 101. Anybody in my life who is new to the Mac or anybody who gets their first iPad or gets a new iPad, this is what they get from me is they get SEO Tutor for Mac and SEO Tutor for iPad. He's got one for Lion. He's got one for iPhoto for iOS. He's got an excellent series on ScreenFlow, which I learned so much watching his series on ScreenFlow because if you're going to learn about how to screencast, I mean, David, you make some really good screencasts, but Don is the master of screencasting. I learned more from that series than I thought possible to do with ScreenFlow. You know, I need to watch those. I think I'm going to download those. I haven't watched those yet. Yeah, you should you should definitely. He's got like a, a, a four part series that he's all put together in this app. Yeah. So so they range in price from I think as low as ninety nine cents for like the shorter one on on iPhoto, and as as high as four dollars for for some of the other ones. And and you've got like up to two hours of content, and some of them are even free. So uh, they're available on the App Store for Mac and the iOS App Store. Hopefully, um, 
the week as we're recording this, Don ran into a little bit of trouble with Apple, and Apple said that they were going to pull them from the App Store because in Apple's opinion, they were, quote, movies and not necessarily apps, and it was one of the things that they were cracking down on a bit. And much to Don's credit, uh, you know, he didn't go crazy, he didn't go on a rant, he just said, okay, well, I had planned to implement some some future functionality in this to make it more of an active as opposed to a passive experience. So I'm just going to go off and do that, and uh, hopefully they'll be back in the App Store by the time this show is published with even more features. Hopefully. That's so. Don, man. He's just, he's the guy. Nothing <laughs> throws him. You no. want more stuff? I'll put more stuff in my app. That'll happen. There you go. Okay, I'm going to talk about one that I love called Moom. M-O-O-M. Like, Ooh, this, this wouldn't have made it under your App Store restriction now, would it? Well, sort of. It's still in the App Store for 5 bucks, four ninety nine. But okay. they, they've announced that newer versions are going to be, uh, they're not going to update the App Store version because the updates now are breaking sandbox rules. I forgot about that, but yeah, you're right. So, so Moom is like the ultimate window resizer. You know, like on Windows Seven, how they have the ability—if you pull the, drag the window to the side of the page, it'll fill half the page. Or if you drag it to the top, it'll fill the top half. This does that, but it does a lot more. You can set it up. In fact, when we did the John Syracuse show, I meant to send him like a license to this, like gift him one, because he was asking for exactly this kind of management where you can very granularly uh, decide how your windows are going to look, how much, how, many, how much space and pixels will be between the windows. Or you can make it have a little grid so you can just drag on the grid to have your windows fill it up. Uh, as an example, on my Fancy Pants new 15-inch MacBook Pro, I have Ooh. three windows open. Uh, the, the, basically, the window split in three columns, one for, for work. It's one's for billing, one's for dictation, one's for NVALT. It looks awesome. That's all because of Moom. You can save setups. Once you get the screen looking just right, you can save that. And so you can just click a button and it comes back. Just It's just a great, great Windows management app. There's a bunch of these in the App Store. This is the one. Just go spend the 5 bucks and get it. And uh, I'd recommend buying it from them directly, even though it is in the App Store. And, and you know, they've, they've really been smart about this. And a lot of developers are who are falling into this Mac App Store problem where their apps were in the App Store and now they can't be. So I think if you bought it from the App Store, you're still going to be able to get some kind of upgrade path direct from them. Like it will detect that you yeah, have Yeah, it does. It's automatic. License. You just, yeah. it knows that you bought it from the Mac App Store so you can get the, the new version. You can basically um, de App Storeify it by going and downloading the most recent version. They have instructions on their website and, uh, it's by Mini Tricks, and it is a fantastic little app. The app storeify it. Yeah, the copyright Grama- David Sparks. Yeah, the grammarians are going to be all over you now. I don't care. Okay. Uh, the next one for me is Twitterific, which is available in the App Store. Still, so far as I know, it was when I did the show notes. Uh, it's five bucks. I think you said Moon was five bucks as well, right? Yeah. Uh, Twitterific is five bucks. It is my. I've tried a few. I tried for a long time the official Twitter client for Mac, which is free, and it, you know, it just didn't have all the features I wanted. So Twitterific, Twitterific, woo, uh, is my favorite Twitter client for Mac currently. I'm waiting for Tweetbot for Mac to come out. I must say, and yeah, you know, there, that's confirmed. Switch. The Verge uh, had a screenshot of it. And it it wasn't a screenshot of uh, Rick Astley? No, it was the developer took a teaser shot of his, his Mac screen. I think he got a new Retina MacBook, and he took a shot of it, and you could see that he had Tweetbot running there. So that's okay. going to happen. 
Good. Well, for now, I like Twitterific, and it's worth every penny of the four bucks I spent on it. It's clean. It's simple. Of course, it supports Instapaper, which is a must-have feature for me. It would be just about perfect if it had a mute feature. That's the killer feature of Tweetbot that Twitterific doesn't have. You know, I've got um, Osphora. That's my pick. Okay. And that's also five bucks on the Mac App Store. O-S-F-O-O-R-A. And that's the one I use on the Mac. And it does have a mute feature. Ooh, maybe I should check that out. Yeah, you know, there's kind of like a running battle. Another one I used to like is Hibari. And, but I, I like Osphora. I like the way it looks better. And I don't know. I'm guessing if you add it up between the iOS and the Mac apps, I've probably spent like 100 bucks on Twitter apps over the years, you know, because I keep buying them. Um, but I, I can tell you as soon as TweetBot comes out, I'll probably be switching over to that as well because I've just got used to it on my iPad and my iPhone. So we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go throw in Osphora as another Twitter client that you may want to check out. All right. Sounds good. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I'm really not sure. I always thought it was Ustra, but that, okay. that definitely probably can't be right. That's probably just right in my head. That sounds like an animal in pain. <laughs> Ustra. It makes me happy to think okay. of it that way. All right. Well, let's talk about another one. And this one happens to be a sponsor of our show, and they're sponsoring our show this week. So they, they, don't, they don't fall into the rules. But, and that is Daisy Disk. And we're very happy to have Daisy Disk back as a sponsor of Mac Power users because they are one of our favorite apps. And they are available in the Mac App Store for only 10 bucks. And Daisy Disk, can we go so far as to say they make managing your disk space fun? Do you even yes, have we to, can. Why, do you even yes, have to worry about managing disk space on that super maxed out Retina MacBook Pro you've got there, David? Or you've just got you know, oodles it, and oodles and oodles of disk space? Yeah, I went crazy. Uh, well, maybe we'll do an after dark. I don't want to divert everyone. But the um, but my, my home iMac has an SSD, too, and it's 256 gigabyte. And it's like my, I guess you'd call it a production machine. It sounds so pretentious. But, you know, I'm making books on it and a bunch of video stuff. And I put all my data off on a Thunderbolt external drive, but just running the apps, I'm always banging my head into this, you know, this 256 gigabytes. I was thinking right. about downloading the um, new, uh, what is it? The new Diablo. You know, I haven't played a video game on my computer for like years. I'm thinking that was fun. I played that one like 10 years ago. So maybe I'll get it, but it's like 15 gigs. I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I need to load up Daisy disc. And sure enough, if I go into Daisy disc, I will find data I can get rid of. There you go. So you can use Daisy Disk to allow you to install video games on your Mac. Yeah, exactly. Is that what you're saying? In well, theory. Daisy, yeah, okay. Daisy Disk has a very unique approach to disk management, and they were the first ones to come out with this. And, you know, there, there are a lot of copycats out there, and we won't get into that. Daisy Disk is the one you want. Uh, they have this really interactive map of concentric circles that's kind of hard to explain. Go to the Mac App Store, and you can see a picture of it that tells you exactly where your disk space is being used. And it really helps you drill down and identify exactly what's going where. So you say, okay, well, my user's directory is green. What's this big block of green here? And what's this big blob here? And what's this big blob here? And and it allows you to, at a glance, quickly see where all of your disk space is going, where your resources are being used, and what you can get rid of. And then you can, like, collect it all up together and get rid of it. And boom, and it's gone. You know, I I use Daisy Disk, and I found... I kind of have a bad habit of accidentally, I always mean every week to go back and delete the podcast files because I create about 10 gigs of podcast files every week when I'm editing the show. And I usually give it a couple of days after a show's been out to make sure that there aren't any major issues and I have to go back and re-edit. 
But the further away you get from it, you kind of forget about it, and then you start recording more stuff, and then all of a sudden you look down at the, the little bar in your Mac, and you've got like three gigs of hard drive space free, and you wonder where that is. And now by now it's you know buried somewhere, and, and Daisy Disk can, can help you pinpoint exactly where that is. And it's really essential to be able to do this now in, in the days of SSD, because Apple has pointed out in this roadmap, this is where we're going. We're going, we're going to SSDs, and uh, be aware. And disk management's a big deal now. And this this visual interface is not eye candy. It really makes it easier for you to find hidden blocks of storage that you don't need anymore. Uh, it's just ten bucks. I paid twenty for it, and I was glad to. I think ten dollars is a great deal. Uh, Daisy Disk in the Mac App Store. We've got a link in the show notes, and go check it out. Yeah, and if you do decide to buy it, drop them a note and let them know you heard from us uh, about them on Mac Power Users, and we really appreciate their support of the show. All right, I think it's your turn. It's my turn. All right, this next one I think could be a potentially controversial pick, um, and that's going to be ClamXAV. Okay. What do you, what do you think an, about antivirus? Um, you know, I don't bother. Okay. I, I'm sure the day is coming. It's not a religious thing for me. Um, I don't want to use up the extra clock cycles, and I've never had a virus problem. And as soon as I do, then I'll probably start using it. Well, and, and you mentioned something very important. I don't want to use up the clock cycles. Well, ClamXAV, they've got a couple of versions, but the one that you get from the Mac App Store, because of the sandboxing rules, doesn't do all of this background scanning. It's, it's pretty much on-demand scanning. You launch it, you update the definitions, you do what you want, uh, you scan what you want, and then you close it down. Now, if you download ClamXAV from their website or you install the optional components, you can install, I think it's called the Century, that will will then do background scanning and, and scan a folder if you wanted to scan a folder. And, and maybe you want the more advanced protection that that offers. But for me, I'm kind of like you, David, is I really don't feel like I need antivirus, but when one of these little virus scares pops up, it kind of gives me peace of mind to know, okay, that it's there. And I don't know. I've probably only launched it a handful of times. Usually when I do, I find a bunch of PC viruses in my email junk folder. But other than that, it's I haven't found anything you know, concerning to me yet, but it's, it's free. The definitions are regularly updated. And the one that, that really gave it seal of approval is George Starcher likes it. Now, if George likes it, then that's what you need. <laughs> you know, George is the guy on virus stuff, but the, uh, I like that. I like that idea that it's contained, you know, the, the involvement I've had with PCs and virus software just makes me never want to install this on my beloved Mac. You know, it just, it seems like the PC virus software is in a sense a virus of its own. It's so hard to get it out of there and causes all sorts of havoc. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to check out ClamXAV then. So, cause you're telling me it's not going to go in the background. Maybe it's worth a try. George okay. says. I, I got another one that's kind of interesting. This is really good for laptop people. It's called Palua, P-A-L-U-A. And I've never is, heard of that. It's 99 cents. Oh, this is a great app. You're going to love it with your laptop. Okay, so we've all had the problem. You've got a laptop, and you've got the function keys across the top of the screen, but those are also volume keys and, and, and uh, brightness keys and all a bunch of other stuff. You know, they're iTunes controls. And every time you, you want to use it to increase the brightness, instead it presses F2. And every time you want to turn, you know, you want to hit F11, it starts running the volume up. So you can never get it to seem to, to know what you want. Or... You've got to make the point of holding down the function key or remember not to hold down the function key. It's, it's a big pain. So Palua is a toggle switch that goes in your menu bar that lets you toggle that top list of keys between function keys and um, the Apple keys. 
Ah, okay. Click a button, and it gets better. So for it's and it's just a buck. So you can go through. Uh, I use a Microsoft Remote Desktop Connection. In fact, I just did a an episode of the Bro Show, and I talked about this app on it. So if you just come in over from there, welcome. Uh, so anyway, but I've got a Microsoft Remote Desktop Connection, and so I have to get into a Windows box occasionally for one software application we use at work. And because it's Windows, nothing is easy. You know, you can't just start typing a couple keystrokes and it fills in the name. Instead, you have to go up and press a button with the mouse, and then you have to press F2 every time. So mm. it's not only just a keyboard or a mouse. It is a keyboard and a mouse in order to do something very basic to the app, which makes me nuts. But either way, uh, Palua knows when I'm in Microsoft Remote Desktop Connection and automatically toggles the top list to the function keys and off the Apple keys in that app. And then when I leave that app, it goes back to normal. That's crazy. That's pretty fancy. Yeah. It's, it's a great app. So if that's a big deal to you, that you either get it or you don't, if, if you do get it, go get Palua and it'll solve your problem. Very cool. All right. Uh, my next one is an app called Jettison and uh, kudos to Allison Sheridan who, who, turned me on to this. It's a buck ninety nine. It's available in the Mac App Store. And I have this issue, especially because I'm connected to this Thunderbolt display most of the time. And I do have a an external hard drive that's attached to my Mac. It's actually attached to the display. Oh, not Thunderbolt display. That was a 40-inch slip. I want a Thunderbolt display. The 24-inch cinema display. Okay. Yeah. I wish I had a Thunderbolt display. But I have a, an external hard drive that's connected to that that I use for my super-duper clones every night. And I've got a laptop, right? So I just want to grab it and be able to go whenever I want. I, I don't, I don't want to have to deal with this mounting and unmounting of drives. Cause you know what happens if you yank a USB cable and it's not ready to be yanked. Yeah. yeah. The, the universe will implode. And the universe will, will implode. The cats will marry dogs. All of the data on the drive will be immediately deleted. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You know, all that other bad stuff could but that could potentially happen i suppose you know if you're happen to be writing to the drive you could corrupt it um so what jettison does is it puts a little thing in your menu bar and and you can number one you can jettison all of your stuff or jettison you can eject all of your drives at, at a at a click of a button so you can you know if you have optical devices if you have network attached drives if you have uh, usb drives or firewire drives or otherwise mounted drives you can immediately eject all of your disks or all of your drives, and it's got preferences that you can set up. Or you can set it to eject all of your disks before sleep. And you can turn on the preferences so that when you sleep your Mac, it will automatically unmount all of your drives. So instead of just you know putting your Mac to sleep and wondering whether or not, oh, did I remember to mount disconnect that drive before I put it to sleep, or do I have to wake my Mac up? You type in my password, unmount the drive, put my Mac back to sleep, take it off, and you know go move it into the next room. Jettison just takes care of that. So. Well, you know, and that's made by St. Clair Software. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they make one of my favorite all-time utilities for the Mac, um, the um, uh, default folder X. Yeah. They're so, pretty smart over there. Yeah. So that's, that's good to know that they're – I didn't know they were even in the App Store. Uh, well, default folder X is not going to make the app store. Well, I know, but that the that the company was so so. This show just cost me my first two dollars. I wonder yeah, how yeah. this app compares to that um, ejection app that that John Syracuse recommended in his workflow show. I don't know. I have to take a look at them. Uh, so 
Uh, I've got another one from a well-recognized developer. It's called Quick Cursor by Hog Bay Software. And, uh, uh, you know, Hog Bay is Jesse Groschen, the guy who makes Write Room, mm-hmm. Task Caper. So he made this little simple app that, uh, because I'm a text freak, this app will go, and anytime I've got a cursor uh, in a text field, I can go look at it in Byword. Hmm. So it's it's really neat. It's four ninety nine. That seems easy enough. So it brings it, it basically allows you to use your own preferred text editor to write text, no matter what app you're working out of. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You don't easy sound enough. convinced. Well, I just didn't know if there was more. That's all it does. I guess that's fine. That's all it needs to do. That's all it needs to do, man. I mean, it doesn't like blink lights or or put little nope, that's unicorns and frogs on the screens or anything. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, next one that I've got is Growl Voice. Uh, it's four ninety nine available on the App Store. You, you use Google Voice, don't you? Uh, barely. Barely. <laughs> I mean, I just I just don't have a need for it. I mean, I don't give my phone number to many people, so the people that get it. They can have my real number. Yeah. Well, I've started using Google Voice more and more at home. In fact, I I replaced in this topic for another show maybe, but I replaced my home phone line. I got rid of my cable uh, cable package, and now I just have cable for internet. So I have no cable TV and no cable phone line. And I put one of these Obi boxes in my in my closet with my uh, with my switch. And so my Google Voice number is my home phone number. Okay. So that's pretty cool. So I don't pay for home phone service anymore. And, you know, we talked all about that ditching Google thing, but this this works really well because I, I don't need my home. My home phone is really a convenience, and I've got this Google Voice number anyway. It's not a necessity. So it, what Google Voice does is it's a little – Growl Voice, excuse me, is a little menu bar that goes up in uh, – a menu bar app that goes up in your menu bar. And it's it's pretty easy access to Google Voice, so it allows you to place calls – uh, which used to be a bigger deal before I had Google Voice as my main phone line because now I can just pick up the phone and place a call. But it's integrated in with the address book, and you can send and receive text messages. So I try to give my Google Voice number out more often because I'm trying to get people, certain people especially, off of my cell phone number because Google Voice rings everywhere. It rings my home, it rings my office, and it rings my cell phone number. And I'm trying to get off of a texting plan because just about everybody I know uses iMessages. So if I can get those few people to stop texting me and instead text my Google Voice number, then I can just drop text messaging altogether. I know it's all of five bucks a month, but I'm You're a monster. I'm cheap. Yeah. So so here's my Google Voice number, and if I don't like you, I can block you and never have to hear from you again. But it's just convenient. So I can send and receive texts right from the menu bar. I've got my voicemails. It it just basically allows me to manage my Google Voice account without having to log into my Google Voice account, which is cool. Yeah, that is. That is. I, I should get more serious about that. You know, it's tough when you've got a family because, like, texting teenagers, they, they don't even talk to each other. They'll be sitting around the table and be texting each other. It's crazy. Well, why do you let your daughters befriend people who use Android devices? Oh, that's true. That's true. We can't have any of that. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, uh, so I've got another one that is kind of fun. It, it was really good when I was using my uh, four gigabyte MacBook Air, and it's called iClean Memory. And it's $2. It's normally 5 So right now I think it's on sale for a limited time at least. And what this did is, you know, uh, you know the the paperless book, 
iBooks author file, not the not the version that you'd buy in the store, but the version with all my stuff in it to uh, make the book. I think it was like ended up like one point three or one point four gigabytes. Okay. And the total memory on my computer was four gigabytes. So it was, I was having some trouble, you know, with uh, memory management. And so this thing allows you, it was paging out and doing a bunch of stuff. I, I clean memory is a little menu bar app that, that gives you a warning, lets you know when, Hey, you know, you're, you're using, you're running out of free space in your memory and it's got a little button to optimize and it'll go through and kind of clean up the memory for you. And I know uh, OS X is supposed to do this on purpose, but this is much more aggressive than OS does, X is. Does that really work? Yeah. Maybe it's a placebo. I don't know. It, it felt to me that it ran faster after I... When things started to slow down when I was working on the book, I'd run this app and it would fill faster afterwards. Somebody write me and tell me if I'm just full of it, but it worked for me. In fact, if I am full of it, don't tell me because that would be very sad for me. Because then you want the placebo effect to keep working. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter because I got a new computer. But the um, <laughs> okay, but, but, keep rubbing it in. If you are if you are dealing with this problem and you would like a placebo effect, or maybe it even works, it's two bucks. I clean memory. Two, two bucks is pretty cheap for a placebo effect. Yeah. All right. If it works. If nothing else, it gave me something to do. Okay. Push the button like the monkey. My next one is is probably one that everybody already has installed, but I had to mention it because I love it so much, and that is Skitch. I don't know what I would do without Skitch, but Skitch lets you just grab screenshots, grab images, grab whatever you want, grab a photo, and annotate them with all kinds of fun, you know, arrows and notes and words and whatever it is that you want to do with them. And then you can either upload it to Evernote or you can upload it to their little little um, app space that they have or you can upload it yeah, to wherever you want. Uh, I use this all the time, particularly when annotating screenshots or when annotating things for my Mac user group. You can crop them and flip them around and resize them and, you know, draw arrows and draw boxes and say this is the button that you want to push or do not push this button or whatever it is that you want to do. And you can save the files. They were, were used to be a standalone app and they were taken over by Evernote or bought out by Evernote a couple of months ago, maybe a year ago now. And Evernote has done some pretty cool things with them. They've enhanced the app, and then they've made an iPad app as well, which I know we're not supposed to talk about, um, but it's a very nice companion app as well, and it's free. Yeah, and you don't have to upload it. I mean, you can just use it on your desktop and drag them off there and email them off to people. I use it all sure. the time for just sending people quick thoughts. And this is another great app to share with non-nerds because uh, non-nerds are always looking for a way to easily annotate something, and it's very daunting to them because usually, you know, their only experience is something like Photoshop or something that's going to be very complicated. This is really easy. You drag an arrow and you type in some text. My wife uses it. My scientist niece uses it. So there's a lot of people I know who don't want to learn a complicated app, and you just give them this, and they thank you for it eternally. Hey, you know what? Let's do another sponsor. We've been going a little while. We have been going. We could go a little while longer, but but let's take a break here and talk about one of our no, another favorite thing, and that is Hover. And why do we like Hover so much? Because that's because they make domain names simple. All you have to do is go to hover.com slash users if you want to save some money, and th- you get a, a nice clean interface and a nice white box, and it pretty much says, what do you want? Do you have an idea for a website? Do you have an idea for a domain? If you know what you want, 
type it in and it will tell you whether it's available. If you just have an idea and you think you might know what you want, type in some some ideas or some keywords and they've got this really cool, Dan says it's a robot or an Android or something like that. I don't know if that's true. But they've got this this really cool engine that will go through and instead of just, um, you know, punching a bunch of words together, it will it will actually find you relevant, available domains. And they've got all the domains. They've got the .com, they've got the .co, they've got the .me, and then they've got some really other interesting ones that I don't really know what they are, but they've got them. Yeah, I mean, you know, a good example, this is my wife, Daisy. Um, she had to buy a domain like a couple years ago through a different server, and she was she was really flummoxed by it, you know, because you go in and they have all these questions, and they move the button targets and they change the colors. You can't even rely upon anything, you know, and it's like running the gauntlet. You get to the end of the process and you thought your $5 domain ends up costing you like $70 and you don't even know why you don't even know what it was. Uh, hover is not like that. They make it very simple. So Daisy wanted to get Mrs. Max Barkey, you know, Yay. so she bought it. She just, she just emailed me. Hey, I just bought it. You know, she never would have done that without hover, but uh, they make the process really simple. They're they're very friendly, I think, to Apple people because that's what we want. We want somebody who's going to help us make the process easier and give us what we need and not try and play a bunch of games with us. And, for instance, Hover, when you buy an app, a domain, it already has the privacy enabled. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to buy that as an extra add-on because, I mean, who wants to put your personal address up with every domain you buy? Absolutely. And that's already there. And, like, when you want to move over, because a lot of people write and say, Dave, I'm in, I want to go to Hover, but I still have a year and a half left on my existing domain. doesn't matter. You send it over. So I think it's 10 bucks, and you get an extra year tacked on. So you get something for it, and they help you with the transition. Just a, a great service. You know, you, it's liberating. Even for us as nerds, it was always kind of sketchy when you had to go buy a domain name because you didn't know what you were going to end up with. Yeah. And and Hover's not going to bother you. They they will tell you when, when your domain name transfer is successful. They'll tell you when you're up for renewal. But they're not going to hassle you. You know, I had one of those other domain name people because we had a transaction with them at work. They called me because I guess I was the contact information that they had. I had this robocall from them just to say, we just wanted to thank you for your recent purchase. I didn't buy it. Our tech people bought it. And I guess they had my contact information. And then proceeded to, for 60 seconds, give me an ad pitch to try to get me to purchase something else. Yeah. How unacceptable is that? You don't get that with Hover. Minimal cross-sell, lots of help, uh, outstanding customer support. It's a great service. Um, That's where I'm buying my domains. I also run all my email through it, too. They have an email service. So all the Max Barkey email, that's going through Hover. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, so you can find out more information at hover.com slash MacPowerUsers, or just use the coupon code MacPowerUsers at checkout, and you'll get 10% off. So yeah, save yourself advantage. a few bucks. Do that. And uh, thank you, Hover, to your sponsorship for the show. My turn. Because uh, I, how could I not mention Brett Terpstra's amazing Marked app? So if you like Markdown, get Marked. It's now $4. I think it was $5 when I bought it. And it's, you know, Brett just spends a lot of time, you know, because Brett and I talk, he's always doing stuff to this app, making it better. I mean, now it displays Scrivener files, and it does, it just does all this crazy stuff. Um, and it's kind of hard to describe. Um, so the idea is, the original idea is, when you're writing a markdown, and we've talked about markdown at length, so I won't start that holy war here, but um, it it's a, con- it's a format for typing, and you want to see a preview. Well, 
marked the the app marked attaches to the file you're writing a markdown, even if it's in a different app like Byword, and it gives you a display of how that's going to render itself in Markdown. That's just the basics, but it goes way beyond that, and it's four bucks. If Markdown is a part of your life at all, just go get it. Very cool. All right, I want to talk about a, another one, and this is a calendar app, and it's called QuickCal. It's available for three bucks. It's also in the Mac App Store, and it allows you to uh, click a little icon or use a keystroke, and you can type in natural language into QuickCal, and it will add an event to your iCal calendar. So you can either, you know, you can say pick up David at airport at, at eight o'clock, or uh, remind me of my, you know, meeting with Joe at six, and it lasts an hour, or you know order pizza in 10 minutes or whatever it is that you want to do, it will understand the natural language that you're trying to put in there and it will figure out, okay, are you doing a task? Are you doing an event? And it will put it on the right day. And it's uh, only three bucks. I have used this for quite some time. I know that there are other apps out there, but I really like QuickCal. We've had a lot of other people write in and say, you know, I know you've talked about that other one a little bit. How, how come you haven't given QuickCal some love? So we're giving QuickCal some love here. It supports iCal, Google Calendar, BusyCal. It's got reminders. They'll sync via iCloud and iCal and uh, Google and all that other stuff. Uh, and it's pretty cool. Okay, I got one for you. And this one is free. Uh, caffeine. Oh, you stole that one from me too. Go ahead. Did I? I guess I, I was pretty uh, lackadaisical when I put that together. Huh? I didn't That's all right. That's all right. I got it. I'll take care. I just looked at the ones that I loved, and this is definitely one. So Caffeine, it's free. It's a menu bar app. It's in the Mac App Store. And what it does is it just keeps your, your screen life. In fact, I think we talked about this with Johnny Niddle on the episode um, of Johnny. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, he talked about how important it was because sometimes he doesn't look at his Mac when he's listening to music, and it, it will go to sleep on him. Yeah, you know how your screen will dim. And you can turn that stuff off in settings, but... You don't want to leave it on all the time. You want those automatic dimming and and sleeping to work. But there's sometimes when you don't, like when I'm recording a podcast. And uh, so I'll sit here and jabber on, and my mind will wander, and I won't be touching the keyboard. And all of a sudden, the screen will load in. Well, not if you have caffeine. You just click a button. It's a little coffee in the menu bar. You click it, and uh, then it's going to keep everything alive for you. Yeah, Excellent. Well, I've got to talk about my beloved Evernote. Because you All know right. I'm I'm using Evernote for just about everything now. It is available in the iTunes or excuse me the Mac Mac App Store the App Store. It's not just the App Store anymore, the Mac App Store, and I use Evernote pretty much for everything. I have dozens of notebooks. I have you know notebooks for people. I have notebooks for uh, re- certain types of receipts. I have notebooks based on context. I have notebooks based on projects. It's it's pretty much my everything bucket. But, you know, of course, I have, to, I have everything organized into sub-notebooks and tagged and, and all of that other good stuff because I can't stand just to have everything out there. So when I get a, a you know, email from iTunes that says you've, you've bought something and here's your receipt, I've got an email address that I can just forward it off to and it automatically goes to my Evernote account and it's categorized. When I download my utility bill, I have uh, Hazel categorize it, rename it, and put it into Evernote into a certain notebook and with a certain tag. And now that I'm really using this as my my paperless management system because now they've they've fixed some of those barriers that I didn't like before and they've got the full export. So at the end of the year I've got all my tax related receipts that I've been collecting because I get all my receipts by email. I've got all those receipts that I've been collecting. You know, I'm gonna do a batch export, put them in a folder 
and send them off to my CPA and say, yeah, good luck with this. You know, Katie, you should do a, a blog post or a screencast or something to explain how you do this stuff. I'd like to see more details about how you use Evernote. Okay. I'm starting to use it more. I've got, I've got one project I'm working on where I'm collecting research in Evernote as kind of an experiment to see how it works. Yeah, and I mean, you and I know you use Evernote like for travel. I mean, it's and it's great for short term projects and long term projects. And um, you know, I've got like a, a, a an Evernote folder for my grandparents, and anything related to them goes in there. If I've got information about their property or or whatever, it goes in there. I've got an Evernote folder for my parents with miscellaneous information that I might need, and it's available on my iPhone. And you never know when you just might need this stuff. So is it a folder or is it, I don't understand when you say you've got Evernote file for your parents, is there a folder? It's a notebook. It's a notebook. Yeah, in Evernote. a notebook. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's the term. So you have when, a when I, when I hear, when I see notebook, I th- it translates in my mind to folder because I'm a file and folders person. And then the stuff in your parents, for instance, what mm-hmm. do you have in there? Like if they just text files? Some of them are text files and some of them are scanned documents like for information. You know, my dad, although he's fine, was in the hospital recently, and I had uh, a, a list of medications, or I had a list of things that I had to keep track of, or I had a, a scanned document, you know, of, of his intake form and other information that we thought we might need related to this project. Now, some of that will stay in Evernote because I might need it again in the future, and some of it will will leave. Here's a better example. Uh, I have an Evernote notebook for my brother. He's a recent college grad. If anybody needs to hire a teacher, he's looking for a job. I have his resume in Evernote. <laughs> and I, I push it upon people from time to time. Someone yeah. please hire him. Yeah. You know? So. Okay. Well, I, you know, the, oh, excuse me. The, the thing for me is that so much of this stuff just reverts to text. And with the NVL thing, I just have it in there as text. But like the, the resume for me would just be sitting in Dropbox somewhere. Yeah, I I would actually say very little of my Evernote database is text. Some okay. of it is, but I would say less than 10% actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh so I've got one for you. Uh and this is uh it's called MyStat and it's by the same guys that did the iStat menus, you know the great little dashboard widgets. Yeah, I use that. Yeah. And then they also did the iStat menu bar thing. Um, you know. Yeah, I've and, got that. And uh I use that for years, but I didn't like it filling up my menu bar, you know, because you could put up there, iStat basically it's a bunch of statistics about your computer. How's the memory going? What's the disk usage? What's the sensor temperature? How fast are the fans going? So you could have all this data in your menu bar. And like Dave Hamilton over at the Mac Geek Gab, he loves that stuff. Um, I, I find it kind of fiddly to have it up there all day, and then I start looking at it. I, I don't think it's that important to have in the menu bar, but I do want those tools. If something seems funny, like if I hear the fan going, I may just load it up. So I bought this. It's $5. Now, you can get a lot of this information for free with their, um, with their dashboard widget. Um, but I, I don't know. I just feel like paying these guys because they've done this so, for so many years. And I've been using their free stuff for so long. Uh, I went ahead and bought it. And I would recommend it. And the other nice thing is now that I bought it, when I go to a new computer or my wife's computer, it's just so easy to go into the Mac App Store and just download it right there. How do you do the stats on your computer? I use iStat menus, okay. and I've just got it configured so that I have a few of them, and then when you drop them down, you get more information because some of them you can consolidate. Yeah, into yeah that's what I was doing, but bigger, I, I just bigger drop I, down. I just went with this app, so 
Yeah. All right. So the other one I want to talk about, since you stole my caffeine, uh, is Crash Plan, okay. which technically fits because the app is free. So I want to tell you about how I use it in its in its in the free version of Crash Plan because I think it has a really neat free free use. Now Crash Plan has a pay program where you can pay for offsite backup. Yeah, I just but, bought it last night. Did you? I, I'm in. I you know I, I'm still waiting because I'm downloading like I'm uploading like a terabyte or something and it's um. It says right now it's going to be done in 466 days. Well, that's you know, probably you because can, I'm podcasting. That's probably, you know, you can seed that to them too as well for a little extra fee, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, but, but what you can do with the free version of Crash Plan, I've got several family members uh, who have either Macs or PCs that will work with either, and they have enough data that it's, it's necessary to back it up, which I would say any amount of data is necessary to back up. But they don't have enough to really justify, you know, spending a significant amount of money on worrying about backing it up. Like my mom's entire user folder is four gigs, and it's probably four gigs because she has two and a half gigs worth of photos and another half gig worth of music. Um, my grandparents' machines are are equally quite small, you know, just over the threshold of what you get, you know, kind of in this this free realm for the, you know, how you sometimes get a couple gigs free in online backup, yeah, or free for Dropbox, but just over that threshold, but you know, not a lot of changes, not a lot of stuff happening. So what I did is I I put installed the free version of Crash Plan. You know, I've got a paid account on my my MacBook Air, but I installed the free version of Crash Plan on my uh, Mac Mini. And I've got my Drobo connected to that, which has plenty and plenty and plenty of space. And I installed CrashPlan, the client, on their machine. So they are backing up uh, during, I think I set it to be either during the middle of the night when I'm not using my Macs or during the day when I'm not home. And they're backing up during the middle of the day to my Mac Mini and to the network attached or to the Drobo that's attached to it. And they are backing up to me. I am their cloud. Yeah. Nice. That works well. Okay. Uh, so as at Macworld, I wanted to do something fun with the mouse during a presentation, and I just went and bought this Mouse Pose app, and I like it. It's 5 bucks. I was surprised this fit. I always thought this was more expensive. It's well, only think, 5 bucks. I think it's down to 5 I think when I bought it, it was more. But, oh. you know, it's, it's by uh, Boink Software, who makes some great software apps. And it's just a really simple app that, that does funny things to the mouse as you move it around the screen. If you do some presentation work, uh, I would recommend it. Very cool. I don't got anything else on that one. It's pretty simple. <laughs> All right. Uh, my next one is Audiobook Builder. They were, they were at Macworld as well by Splasm Software. Yeah. Um, I've started, although I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, I've, I've been listening to several audiobooks. So their audiobook builder is five bucks. It's available in the Mac App Store. Ooh, I cheated a little bit. I just saw it's five ninety nine. I thought it was four ninety nine. Okay, we'll let you buy. Will you forgive me? Yeah. Uh, my bad. I thought it was four ninety nine. It is five ninety nine. It's available in the uh, Mac App Store. And one of my biggest problems we talked in our iTunes Mac show about how a big problem is when you rip your CDs into audiobooks or when you've got CDs that are audiobooks, you could have especially if you've ripped like Harry Potter, thousands and thousands and thousands of tracks because yeah. these tracks could be three or four minutes long. And if you have the Harry Potter t- CDs like I do and I know you do, David, 
they're like 26, they get up to like 26 and 30 discs when you get into some of the, the bigger books. They're wonderful, by the way. Wonderful audiobooks. You like the Jim Dale ones? Which ones do you? Uh... Oh, I did the Jim Dale ones. Yeah. I've heard the other ones are excellent as well. Yeah, I, something about Jim Dale, I feel like it's like crawling into a warm blanket when he starts talking to me. Oh, <laughs> it's wonderful. Wonderful. Sometimes I go back and listen to them when I'm having a, a, a when I'm in a bad place. I'll just put them on and it, it's, yeah. it's like eating candy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we have problems. We have issues. But Audiobook Builder will allow you to consolidate those into one or a couple of files. And so you click all of those or you import the CDs directly into Audiobook Builder. And it will create, you know how when you download a book from iTunes or from Audible, it creates this nice little package that has all the files together and they're all nicely named. And instead of having a gazillion teeny tiny little iTunes files, you end up with one or two or three, depending on how big the book is, files. Yeah. Yeah, Audiobook Builder does this. So they join them all together. They put the correct metadata in there. You you can put your images in there, and instead of a gazillion files, you've got one or two, or depending on how big the, big the book is, and they're properly labeled and in the audiobook section. Yeah, you told me about this, and I went and got it, and I really do like it. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, I've got one here. It's uh, $3. I just started playing with it, and I'm not sure I'd recommend it yet, but it's interesting to me. It's called Aptivate. Okay. And it allows you to do hotkey sequences to launch apps or Apple scripts. And it does, it's just interesting. I'm not sure yet uh, where it fits. Like Apple scripts have always been tough for me. I've got the little script menu up there, but it's very mouse intensive to go up there and find it and then load it. And uh, I haven't got real deep with this. You know, I'm, I'm looking at Aptivate versus just launching them through LaunchBar, which I can do. Um, so this is one to look at if you're if you're looking to launch apps and scripts. Uh, it's called Aptivate. It's three dollars. All right. Another one that I like that's free, although it's getting harder to find because I don't know that it's under development we'll, anymore. We'll put a link in the show notes. I think it's just on some guy's uh, homepage, Apple homepage. So maybe maybe we better get that quick. It's called Dockless. And as you know, I'm a dock minimalist. I don't like anything in my dock. But there are a couple of applications that if my Mac is running, they're pretty much running. You know, if email is running on my Mac, SpamSiv is running on my Mac. But I just don't like the extra icons on my dock. Uh, similarly, uh, LaunchBar. Sometimes there's a dock icon associated with LaunchBar. I, I think you can turn that off now, but maybe before you couldn't. So these these icons just bothered me because they were things that were running all the time and I didn't like seeing the icons. So what Dockless does, very simple easy to use application is you go in and it lists all the applications on your Mac and there's a little checkbox that you can check and you can keep that application from showing in the dock. So right now I've got mail launched, spam sieve is running, it's in the background, there is no dock. I can Yeah. Nice. Uh, you know, I, I don't really care. I, I hide the dock though. So I don't I do see hide the it. dock. And I've started hiding the dock now on the left side of the screen. That's new for me and I like that. Yeah it makes more sense because of the wide screen. Yeah. The uh, okay, so here's one. If you're a Mac guy or gal, Mac Tracker, and that's free, and they have a database of like every Mac ever made, and that's just, very cool. Yeah, it's 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 fun. I, I like to go in sometimes. They've got the old startup chimes. They've got versions for iOS too, and but it's actually pretty helpful when you're the family troubleshooter and someone's saying, "Well, my Mac isn't exactly right," and you know. When they bought it, you can go in and figure out, you know, what kind of processor it is. Like sometimes they may have an old processor that's not Intel, and they're complaining about why their Intel software won't work on it. And uh, you know, it helps you troubleshoot that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, it's free. A database of all the Macs on your computer for free. What What's wrong with that? Very cool. All right, we, uh, we've been going a while longer. Are we ready to talk about another sponsor? Yeah. Uh, one of our favorite applications for the Mac that we absolutely cannot live without, 1Password. Yeah. So 1Password, as you know, allows you to create and store strong, unique passwords for all of your websites and just about anything on your Mac. It syncs to your iOS device. It syncs to your iPad. They even have syncing for Android devices. There is no excuse anymore to have a password that you use repeatedly across multiple sites. We've seen how dangerous that can be. It is just a really, really bad idea. And I hope that you or, or someone that you care about doesn't have to be struck by one of these um, you know, password breaches before you, you hop on the bandwagon and understand how important it is to have strong, unique passwords and to not repeat your passwords against this, uh, you know, across multiple sites. So 1Password is great. It, it syncs with Dropbox, so it's everywhere that you need it. Uh, they've got Windows versions, so if you use a Windows PC at work, you can be secure there too. And David, did you know that you can use 1Password with LaunchBar? I did not. Oh, you gotta go. You gotta go check out this this post on their blog. It's it's fairly new, um, but I'm I'm guessing that a lot of Mac Power user listeners maybe use LaunchBar. Yeah, and uh, you I'll can you can. This. You can also do it with Alfred, too, and I think they've got a post on their blog a little bit further. But they, a lot, uh, 1Password has this ability to, to quick launch and automatically log you in to websites because 1Password has all of your information already. So 1Password can basically create these bookmarks that are not only bookmarks, but also are bookmarks with your login information. So um, in the new LaunchBar nightly builds, they have support for quickly searching and opening your 1Password logins tabs and folders. So what you do is uh, go into the new LaunchBar beta. If you're brave enough to, to run these types of betas, I'm sure it'll be in the regular versions pretty soon. And once you install the beta build, it should automatically find your 1Password keychain and start searching it. And then you can type in the first couple letters of a specific login after you tell it you want to go to 1Password. So like if you type in like 1P is your your keyboard shortcut to get to 1Password, and then you start typing in the specific login, you can so you can type like, uh, you know, 1P, you know, get into 1Password, type in like AMZ for Amazon or something like that, and boom, it will launch and log in. How cool is that? I, I'm so in with that. I'm downloading it right now. I use the nightly builds and launch bar all the time, by the way, and they work great. I've never had any problems. In fact, usually I go to them when I have a problem. Like sometimes I'll run beta software or something on my Mac and launch bar will have a little trouble. If I go to the nightly build, they've probably already fixed it. Yeah, they're very good about that. Uh, so you can check that out. There's more information on their website, one information on the 1Password blog. Uh, you might want to add that to your RSS feeds because the people at 1Password are really, 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 really smart. Um, and they're all ready for Mountain Line whenever that comes out later this month. So uh, go check them out at 1Password.com. Uh, they're available in the Mac App Store for forty nine ninety nine. If you use a PC, you can get a Mac and Windows bundle for sixty nine ninety nine. Uh, if you use iOS devices, you can get uh, an iOS Pro version for fourteen ninety nine. That's good for your iPhone and your iPad, and I guess your iPod Touch, uh, or an, a single license that's good for either the iPhone and iPod Touch or the iPad for nine ninety nine. And if you click on the link on our website, you can get twenty percent off anything that you purchase in the Agilebit store. So go check it out. Okay, I think it's your turn again. Oh, yeah, my turn again. 
Uh, Levelator. That's kind of a specialized app for podcasters or, or people who deal with audio. Sometimes I know you don't like Levelator because it can tend to crunch things, but I think I think we've got that resolved. Johnny just sent me a new version of the uh, the theme music that we used last year or last uh, last show in this show. So hopefully that issue is resolved. But Levelator works wonders, and I don't know if if you have a podcast or if you do any kind of audio recording with voices. Sometimes David's mic will be a little hotter than mine. Or sometimes we'll have a tendency to move closer and further away from the mic as we talk. It's just kind of... And by we, you mean David. Well, no, I I do it too. Okay. And Levelator will will somehow magically go in and smooth through all of that. And so at the end of it, even though I try my best to to balance the audio tracks in GarageBand, uh, Levelator somehow goes through and just smooths all that out. You know, I, I had a, a use case for this recently. A friend of mine went and recorded digitally a, a interview with his mother, who was very old, and talked about her childhood. And he wanted to make it really nice for, to share with his siblings. But the problem was his questions were really quiet, and her answers were really loud. You know, it was it was out of kilter, the way he had recorded it. And I said, just levelate it. And he did, and it worked great. There's a lot of uses for that app. That's great. Yeah. Very cool. It's my turn. It's your turn. Okay, I got one that's kind of fun. Um, if you're using a laptop or if you like, just like to use spaces, it gets to be a pain when you want to grab like a piece of art or something, copy something from one desktop and put it somewhere else. And you know you can like click and drag it across, or you can you can do keyboard shortcuts. There's certain ways you can do it, but there really is no simple way to do it in, in Mac OS X. And so there's this app called Drag and Drop, D-R-A-G-O-N-D-R-O-P with no space. And the great company name is Shiny Plastic Bag. Uh, but either way, so it's a $4.99 app, and it, it puts in basically a, a paste buffer in the menu bar. But even better, you can configure it so it appears automatically. And I've got it set so when I wiggle, it appears and so, like, and by wiggle, I mean wiggle something on the screen. Yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> I yeah, was gonna so, ask you to clarify that. Okay, so like, if I've got a, an outline or something, I I can just pick it up. Like, I use three fingers to move items with my trackpad. That's an option you can select in the trackpad options. So I just take three fingers and I just jiggle them back and forth real quick, and then suddenly the um, the target, the drop target, will appear right next to wherever I'm holding the the mouse. I can drop the item in there, then I can just use four fingers to swipe over to the screen I want to be on, and that that um, that little bucket remains on the screen, so I can just drag whatever I want onto the screen. So as a, as a better example, I've got a piece of clip art on the desktop, and I've got pages two or three screens over. You pick up the clip art, wiggle it, drop it in the bucket, slide over to the pages screen, pull it out, and drop it right into your pages document. Okay. It's very easy. I think it's easier to do than to say. All right, so you don't do a little dance. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm upset. Yeah, I guess I could if it, you know, if we, <laughs> I <don't> know. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't go there. Just maybe I should stop. Okay, darn. All right, um, you ready for my next one? Yeah. Okay, uh, my next one requires no wiggling unless you want to start wiggling cables. And that is SoundSource. And I I don't know if you have SoundSource installed or not. It's it's a one I think every podcaster should have installed. But we've got all these device options now for our, our different computers. We, we've got, you know, I'm just sitting here. I've got a 24-inch a cinema display. 
that has a microphone built in it. I've got this Rode Podcaster that's sitting in front of me that I obviously use for podcasting. And I've got a microphone that's built into my MacBook Air. So I have a couple of different sources for input. I have a couple of different sources for output, you know, including my cinema display speakers, including my my MacBook Air speakers, including the, the podcaster and the headphones and, you know, all of this other stuff. I've even somehow got, you know, I've got Soundflower drivers. I've got a driver for LogMeIn. And so I've got all of these different things. And normally to switch back and forth quickly between these different inputs and outputs, you'd have to open up system preferences and go into the sound system preference pane, which you can do, but it's kind of a pain. And I always forget to do when we're podcasting until you say, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. So uh, sound, um, sound source is just available as a quick menu bar app and you drop it down and it will tell you where everything is and you can adjust the volume and you can open up your you know quick access to your audio MIDI setup and you can quickly adjust your input, output, and system settings. Yeah, you could also, starting with Lion, I believe it was, if you hold down the option key and click on the volume uh, in yeah. your menu bar, it gives you the sources. Right. But, but this allows you to adjust volume, which that doesn't, which you know is a big deal for me at least. Correct. Because sometimes you come in really, really loud. Who, me? No, not you. Somebody else. Okay. I, you know, this last one I had on the list I'm not going to talk about because I just look, they haven't updated it since 2011. And with Mountain Lion, it's not going to work. So I don't want people to go spend money on it. Oh, well, that's a shame because that would have yeah. been a good one if it had worked. Yeah. Um, but we do have uh, some feedback. Cool. And probably the, the biggest one I'd like to talk about was uh, on our last show with Merlin. We Merlin talked about his system of using contexts uh, to find locations out of OmniFocus. And he did a follow-up on it on Back to Work this week. So mm-hmm. if you'd like a little more information on it, go find Back to Work uh, that went out this week. I'll put a link in the show notes. They and talked a lot about us on Back to Work. They talked a lot about you. They Yes, they did. <laughs> they did talk a great. lot about me on Back to Work. <laughs> Okay, you're more interesting than I am. Apparently, um, but the uh, but the point he made was, um, you know, to set this up. I guess we really didn't get into it in the show. Uh, you go into the context and OmniFocus on your phone, and you hit Edit, and then you pick a context, and then you can select whether it's attached to a location or to a search. And the search is pretty neat. So, for instance, if you've got a context called Apple Store, you can just have it search for Apple Store, and if you've got um, an item. Like, I wanted to buy one of those little um, plugs to go from the MagSafe 1 to MagSafe 2. And I was uh, up in L.A., and I was taking a deposition. I've been testing out this thing Merlin's talking about. So I just went to Maps, and it found an Apple store just two blocks away. I didn't even realize I was that close to one. And a little red dot appeared, and I'm like, hey, there's an Apple store, and on my list is to buy something there. So I could walk over in a break and buy it. Um, so that's that's the main thing he's talking about, is wherever you are in the world, it can search... Or you can have it identify specific locations. Um, the way I do it, and I didn't do a very good job of explaining my side of it either, because we were we were doing a lot in that show, and I didn't want to sp- spend the whole show talking about this. Um, but traditionally, I did it uh, partly because of Siri. I think is with the Reminders app is right. I've got a series of lists, like I've got a grocery list and a Home Depot list, and all these lists. And with Siri, you can click the button and say, "Add you know potatoes to my grocery list," and Siri will do that. It'll go to your grocery list and reminders and add potatoes. So very quickly, I can add something to it. And, then, and that's what I've done as well. But I'm I'm now rethinking. Maybe this could work the other way. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's there's pluses and minuses. Because I've been trying Merlin's system out, and I think I'm going to blog post it at some point. But I'm just going to talk it out a little bit right now. 
The benefit of using the the reminder system is that it's just a running list, really. It's not tasks. It's not really a task that I think of in terms of getting a project done. It's a list. Sure. And and I'm okay with having that outside of OmniFocus because in some ways, you know, if Daisy says, what's on the grocery list this week? I can just go to groceries and reminders and I can see everything in there. Well, and you could also share your grocery list with Daisy through um, uh, iCloud. Yeah. And the other advantage is I can set up, um, you know, uh, geofencing on it, which, and I know you can do this in OmniFocus too, but in some ways it's better through reminders because you can make it so when you're going there or when you're leaving, actually, you know what? You can do all that. That's really not in advance. You can do all that with OmniFocus, but it's very simple to set up the geofence. I can't figure out how to set up a geofence. Maybe you have to have a forest to do that. Uh, I don't know. It's possible because I think the battery issue, I mean, they, they've got it in there where it's very light on your battery, but maybe with older hardware, it would be heavier, but mm-hmm. either way. So using the reminders app has got some advantages to it. The other advantage is that, um, you don't have to really manage start dates or whatever. You know, if it, you put something on your Apple Store list, it's just on your Apple Store list. I don't want to be going through my daily task list in OmniFocus and have to see everything on my shopping list. Sure. Um, so that's that's kind of the the trade off. Now, if you go back over to OmniFocus and you do this stuff in OmniFocus, that map is really cool to just open the map and see. There's three dots around here, so I have three things. You know, I can get the barber shop and the drugstore and the Home Depot or whatever. Uh, so that's kind of neat that you can do that. Um, it's nice that everything's in one place. Adding t- adding things to your list is not much harder using Siri because you know OmniFocus supports that that Siri link to the reminders. Yeah, I saw uh, a video about that. Yeah, I made a really fun video about it. You should go check it out if you haven't. Um, but the so I'm not sure that one is way better than another. I think they're different, and I haven't really got my head wrapped around which one I prefer. But I'm using Maryland's system now for a couple of weeks, and then I'll probably write it up and see you know what what I liked about each one. Like another thing about OmniFocus is you can't set the perspective, uh, you can't limit a perspective, a context based perspective. So. If it's context, you can't limit it to just the shopping list. I was thinking I'd make a special perspective that is just the shopping lists and then remove those from my daily perspective so I never see them. Uh, But it's so far I haven't got that working either. So I'm not sure which one is better, but I I get where he's coming from. And I hope that people listening to this, that made sense. I really need to screencast or write this up with screenshots because it doesn't come over well over uh, just sound, you know. Well, David wrote in, another David, to tell us um, how much he enjoyed our show on meetings and to ask if we know that uh, in the UK that everyone stands during when they're conducting meetings, even the Queen. Well, no, he said the UK Privy Council, not oh, every UK meeting. Okay. Just the, they have this one meeting and everybody stands. Which therefore tends to keep it short. Yeah, and focused. pretty smart. So you could conduct a meeting where everybody stands. That's a possibility. Yeah, I got I got some great email from that show. Some people, you know, talking about all the problems that I have. <laughs> and some people, people saying, go get them. And some people, oh, it was great. You know, I, I love it all. Just bring it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we go got one from Des as well, talking about uh, value-added tax, which is a European tax in QuickBooks. You know, we talk about QuickBooks all the time, how it's like the standard and everybody has to deal with it. I think that's an America-only thing. Mm-hmm. I think if you go in other parts of the world, 
Um, QuickBooks does not have the stranglehold that it does here. Well, and he, he talked about how it doesn't handle that well. Yeah. Yeah. So I got an email from Jim, and he says he's had a unique opportunity and that his entire house has to be totally gutted, uh, which I guess, you know, way to go for considering that a unique opportunity. Some people would consider that a really, really bad thing. Uh, but he wants to go ahead and do it right and have it rewired during that opportunity. And uh, what does he want to do? He knows he wants to put in drops, so what do we recommend and he says he knows that he wants, you know, two cat six drops to each room and maybe some speakers, but is he missing something? And I'll tell you what, what I learned when I was wiring this house is I put two cat six drops in each room and I put four, four drops in my living room and it is not enough. More drops, more drops, more drops, put drops in the floor, put drops in the ceiling, put drops in the wall, put, put drops in the bathroom, put drops in the closet. Um, in, in some of that, I'm, I'm, I'm only about half kidding when I say some of that, I think you definitely need, uh, ethernet drops wherever you have a TV or wherever your TV is going to go and think about whether your TVs are going to go high or whether they're going to go low. I, I think you need to plan for reconfiguring furniture. So have one, at least on every major wall of a room where you could potentially put a desk or a computer. I think you need to have multiple drops, several, several drops, um, in, in your main room where your main entertainment system is going to go, because let's, let's face it more and more devices in that I've, I've got more devices in my entertainment center set now that are wired than I have, uh, devices in my office that are wired. And so I think you need to think about that. And I'll tell you the place where I really wish that I had put a drop that I didn't is in my floor. And I don't know if he has the opportunity to do that, but when I, I, I had enough uh, foresight to put a power drop in my floor to run power to my desk without having to run cords back and forth across the room because I have a desk that kind of floats in the room. But I really, really wish I'd put an Ethernet drop in the floor too, and I didn't think about it. So so think about the drops, but think also about the placement of drops. Some of the, some of the drops you want high, some of the drops you want low. You want drops on every major wall. And you don't want to go crazy, but they'll never be cheaper to put in than they are now. Yeah, the closet's a really good idea because I think we're we're going to a place where we may have computers in our closets. Yeah, and and I wasn't kidding when I said that. I mean, in my closet right now, my my printer's in my closet, and I have right now I have a, an Airport Express in my closet that's that's attached to my printer. And closet's a good place because you know, I I want to put my Drobo in my closet. I want to put my you know my Mac Mini home server in my closet. So I, I think it's a good idea to have some in your closet, assuming you've got good venting and all. You know, another thing, I don't know what the cost is of this, but if if you've got everything open, I would consider putting conduit in there. Mm-hmm. Where you could run different wire in the future, like at least for the main trunk lines, like who knows, but at some point, you know, this people may just be running fiber in their house, fiber optic. And it doesn't really make sense to do it now because there's no infrastructure for it, but maybe in 10 or 15 years it will be the standard. And if you've got conduit, which gives you the ability to easily run new cable, um, that would be helpful. Yeah, I I looked at it and there were some issues with putting it in my house and I'm not sure what they were. Maybe it was just my builder's issues. Um, I'm not even sure it would work because you know you'd have to get go from fiber back to something your computer could read. I I, I don't know. I'm probably out of my pay grade at this point. But yeah, no, I just looked at putting in conduit and and that yeah. couldn't happen. But I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Daniel wrote in about Google Drive and OCR and you know Google Drive is. The, you know, Google's Dropbox thing. And uh, they've got some features, including 
the ability to conduct optical character recognition on PDF and image files. That's very cool. Yeah. So you can it's it's like Evernote in that sense. You can uh you can upload it and get it back with text out of it. Yeah. Although I still believe you know I just these cloud-based OCR services are great, but if you get yourself a good scanner like a ScanSnap, uh, who is one of our sponsors, full disclosure, um, the software does it for you very well. And I like the idea of just having that done locally. Uh, Luca wrote in and we had asked, do you know about a good uh, duplicate finder? Because you and I don't really use one. And he and several other people uh, wrote in Gemini. Uh, uh, yeah, Gemini from the Mac App Store. And it's made from the same developers of Clean My Mac. It's affordable. He likes it. He says it's a good UI. So there's a recommendation from Luca. I personally have never used it, but there you go. Yeah, you know, we got a question in about 1Password and, I guess, for lack of a better term, estate planning. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, And somebody said, hey, you know, you've got all this information in 1Password, and what happens if you die? Yep. And uh, I know that I have um, given my one password, master password, to to my wife. And actually, I, I gave her two instructions. We wrote it down, and she's got it in a safe place. And I said, here's the password. And she uses one password, so she knows how it all works. But I said, mm-hmm. here's the one password, and if you know a bus takes me out, you know you can get into mine here and if you have any questions call Victor Cahill because <laughs> he lives yeah. close to me you know and Victor would come over here and and help her out <laughs> but that is a good point if you have all of your information in there and you're the only person in the world that knows that password um that might not be a good thing so you know thank yeah, you put I've... it in a safety deposit box i guess you could put it in your will mhm every time you change it, you need to change your will. You, well, I wouldn't put it in your will. I might put it in the same place you keep your will. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah that's what you mean. Uh, that's that's what I do. And actually, I, I use 1Password as, as a place to store not just passwords, but you know they've got that secure note field. So you can put some other stuff in there. If, if you have instructions or notes or I – mean, I'm not saying this is – uh, certainly I'm not making any legal advice because I don't do estate planning – but I'm just saying if if there are things that people need to know, you know, I've put in one password. This is a list of all the accounts I have and about when my bills are due. You know, this is the life insurance policy that I have, and this is who you can contact for it. Um, you know, this is the information about my disability policy, and this is who you can contact for it. And so I've got my one password password uh, with instructions of someone local to call who can help. Uh, if there's a problem, as well as, and David, I think this is important too, although da- Daisy may also know how to get into this, the password to get into my computer, because I've got my computer encrypted. So if you can't get into my computer, you can't get into my 1Password. Yeah. So I've got not only my computer password, my 1Password password, and um, you know instructions for basically, I use 1Password, it's what manages, you know, I've got just a paragraph, it's what manages all my stuff, you can find everything you need to know, all of my information is in here. Uh, you know, this is how you get into it. And if you need help, this is someone local you can call. Yeah. All good advice. So, there you go. And the meeting show got a lot of feedback about, Hey, how come we didn't talk about virtual meetings, go to meeting, et cetera. Um, I didn't really think that fit in that show, but I can right. see why you would think it would, but you know, we, we had a full show just dealing with the me venting my spleen. Uh, but yeah, there are apps out there you can do. I use them and um, maybe we'll make that into a different show at some point. No, that's a good point. Um, and the last thing I think we want to cover is we we did get a question from someone about why in your going paperless show didn't you, didn't you give us can you give us some advice some le- some advice about what documents we need to keep 
And uh, I, 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 my response to that, David, unless you want to elaborate further, is we don't want to give people advice on what documents they need to keep in terms of actual paper and what documents they don't. That's going to vary depending on the circumstances, depending on the person, depending on the, the local law there. So other than I think that it was an important point to make that there are some documents you do need to keep originals of. Yeah. Uh, you know, talk to your CPA, your lawyer, whatever. I mean, people listen to the show all over the world. I can't tell you what to do. But the uh, if you really if it, if you think seriously, you should keep it. Then you probably should. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, you'll still be able to get rid of a lot of paper. I don't keep yeah. much. I'll tell you that. Um, we got another message. I want to put. I'm going to put in the show notes. Somebody sent me a link about why brainstorming in meetings sucks, and it was uh, it kind of backed up what I had said that brainstorming for me works great. Solo, but in a meeting, it seems like it becomes about a lot of other things than brainstorming. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, that was a fun show. I'm glad we did it. Let us know if you liked it. We're considering doing like a similar show for iPad or iPhone, but I guess it depends on how well this goes over. So let us yeah. know. Yeah, if you like it, if you hate it. We'd really rather hear more if you like it, but that's okay. Um, but you can find links to everything that we talked about in our show notes. That's at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. Yeah, you can also send us feedback at feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Yeah, and we love those iTunes comments. Thanks for them pouring in. And thanks to everybody uh, for the amazing feedback that we've gotten about the Merlin show. We, that's always a, a great boon once a year. And, you know, it was very nice to be featured in iTunes and featured in the new iTunes podcasting app. And uh, we really appreciate all of your support. Yeah. That, you know, that was my favorite Merlin show we've done so far. They've all been good in their own special way, but I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thanks to our sponsors, uh, Hover, Daisy Disk, and 1Password for their support of our show. And uh, up next, we've got some workflow shows, right? Yeah. In fact, uh, I think our next workflow guest is going to be Fraser Spears. Okay. And uh, he's a fantastic guy, really smart, involved with elementary education and iPads and technology. Uh, he's really the pioneer there, and uh, I can't wait to talk to him about that stuff. So and We've, we'll had, we've had a lot of people asking for that show, so I can't wait. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. We are going to do an After Dark about our fancy new Macs. Um, so... Into that, there's a link in the show notes, or just go find the after.